This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. I remember my dad and mom praying for people who were sick and all they would do was we pray the blood of Jesus. We pray the blood of Jesus. And if you're new to church, that sounds weird to you. But the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It says without the shedding of blood, nothing can be cleansed. And that's why the beautiful hymn says, Are you washed in the blood? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And I want you to know that only those who are justified will be glorified. Only those who are justified will stand before God sinless. Only those who are justified will stand in the presence of God where there is no sin. No exceptions. And Paul, look at this. Verse 6, once again, Philippians chapter 1. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's justification. If it's your Bible, you might want to write in little brackets. He who began a good work in you, that's justification, will bring it to completion, that's sanctification, at the day of Jesus Christ, which is glorification. Paul is a crazy guy, man. It's going to be a tough thing to preach through the book of Philippians. Because he has all these beautiful nuggets of truth over here. How is it that Paul is able to be joyful while he's in prison? The happiest man in Rome is in prison. Because he knows that his problems do not predict his destiny. He's far away from a church that he loves so dearly. And he trusts that he who began a good work will see it to completion. My friends, I want you to know that no matter what ups and downs you're going through, put your faith in Jesus. He will justify you. Trust him in the process of sanctification. Respond to his work. And look forward to the day when you'll be glorified. For he, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, some people, they look at me and I'm pretty cool, right? And, and they're like, I know. See, a lot of amen for that. And, and people are like, do you like Hillsong? Do you like Bethel? You know what? Hang all those guys, man. I like, I like the Gaither vocal band. Anybody with me? I'm like, give me some good old Gaither vocal band, all right? Some of you are older, you're like, who is that? Okay. True story, I was listening to Gaither vocal band riding up over here and I asked my wife if it will be inappropriate to say that's the white person's version of black gospel. And she's like, hey, why do you want to say stuff for that oldie when there's so much, you know, sorry, Megan. I say that because Bill and Gloria Gaither, whom I love, and by the way, Mark Lowry, if this is my favorite Christmas song, Mary Did You Know? And it was written by Mark Lowry. He's the first Christian stand-up comedian, man. I'm telling you, Christian country, these guys do it really well. Anyways, so Bill and Gloria Gaither, they, they wrote a song. It's called, He's Still Working On Me. To make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he is still working on me. And then they continue to say, there really ought to be a sign upon my heart. Don't judge him yet. There's an unfinished part. Oh, but I'll be better just according to his plan, fashioned by the master's loving hand. Isn't that what the Bible says? That you're his masterpiece, created for good works in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that if you're having this big gaping hole where failure is stealing the essential joy that God's given you, he's still working on you. Trust the process. You know, um, I read this thing of... uh, Billy Graham and his wife Ruth Graham were driving through these construction roads <clears throat> one day and, and it was a long construction. It was so annoying because they had to stop signs and you got to wait and long traffic and gravel and potholes and stuff like that. And it says that when they'd ridden like, for a long time on these construction roads, she saw a sign that said, end of construction, thank you for your patience. End of construction, thank you for your patience. And she turned to her husband and says, those words would be fitting on my tombstone. 
end of construction, thank you for your patience. And I had to Google this, and that's exactly what's on a tombstone. End of construction, thank you for your patience. She realized it, that her problems, that her detours, that the potholes in her life did not predict her destiny. And I loved it that we have so many beautiful people in our lifetime to be able to look at that partnered with people that shared a similar destiny and didn't just partner with people who shared a similar history. But all this is good. It's very encouraging, isn't it? Yes. It's very encouraging, but this would mean nothing if we didn't challenge ourselves to a very tangible change that needs to happen in our life. This is the third thing, and we'll close with this in just a few minutes. Very simple. What you believe is how you'll behave. What you believe is how you'll behave. I can stand here and lose my voice telling you that God will justify you. I could lose my voice telling you that the process of sanctification is going to be beautiful, even though it's going to be painful sometimes. I can tell you that we all have a same destiny in Jesus Christ to look forward to our glorification when we'll be seated with Him on the throne with Him. Such a beautiful thing. This is what frustrates me in American Christianity. One of the many things. We know a lot, but we don't believe it. Because if you believed it, you will live differently. What you believe is how you will behave. You know, I'll give you a very simple, very simple illustration. My daughter sometimes will wear certain clothes and she will feel very uncomfortable, but she'll look really pretty in it. And all it takes is for me to tell her, man, you look so pretty in that. It changes, man. She smiles. She walks differently. She's got attitude when she walks, but her dad says, man, you're so pretty. I see that in my sons too. When I tell them, like, man, you're strong, man. You've got to be gentle with your baby brother. They're like, yeah, I'm strong. Dad says I'm strong. <laughs> and you know what? They're actually gentle. Because what you believe is how you behave. Now, for some of you who came here for some deep theological stuff, this seems very simple. But sometimes we overlook the simple things. Because if you really believe that God is big enough to work in you, if you really believe that he will keep you till the day when you will stand before Jesus, there's a different way that we will walk. There's a different way we will overcome temptation. There's a different way that we will fight every time failure comes knocking on your door. And see how Paul prays for them because he believes something about what God has begun in the church in Philippi and in himself. Verse 7. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all. Again, y'all. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. That is, you guys are, are we're participating in the same thing. We're partners in the same destiny both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This church, they're new believers, and they were not ashamed that their leader was in prison in Rome, waiting to be executed. They were not ashamed that their leader seemed like such a confused guy who learned under Gamaliel, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and now he's preaching a crucified carpenter and says that he saw a bright light and that Jesus changed his life. When even the church didn't want to believe in him. But they knew that God had begun to work in them and they believed what God, had what, what God had begun in them and their behavior changed and now they're partnering and they're participating with the gospel. And it says that in verse 8, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And here are three things that he's going to say that needs to change in our behavior if we truly believe all that we just heard. Verse 9, And it's my prayer for you that your love may abound more and more. That's the first thing he says. Man, if you really believe this, it's got to show in the way you love. And the word over here, love, more and more, he's talking about agape love, the, the love that God has for you. If you say that you've received this love from God, you've got to show this love to others. And the picture of more and more, 
Picture a bowl of water being poured into it and it's overflowing and you keep pouring. It's abounding more and more and more and more. But your love would abound more and more. If you believe, your behavior will change. There will be love in your life. In fact, the Bible says many, many, many times that this is how we know that you're disciples, by your love. If you have loved one another. And it says not just love, but with knowledge and discernment, where we lack a lot in our life, isn't it? In our church, we lack discernment and knowledge. He's not just saying just have love for each other, but have discernment to be able to understand and see who is really sharing the same destiny that you're sharing. Because we're living in a time where people have all the right words, but they're not all pursuing the same destiny. Are you with me? You need to have love with knowledge and discernment. Because there are many people who would just want to, 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 to use you to abuse you, to lead you astray, to make you, to use your talents to make them look good. You gotta have love with knowledge and discernment. It's kind of a, a bad word to use in this climate right now, but your love needs to discriminate. Ooh. Because you gotta be careful with how much you wanna pour into and how much you wanna trust people. Because even in the church, there are wolves. And your love needs to have discernment. Your love needs to have knowledge. And this knowledge and discernment can come when you're listening to God. When you're listening to the Holy Spirit. When you are pursuing the destiny that God has for you. And you see that this person just wants to match my history. This person just wants to match my looks and my language and my music. This person just wants to match the way I talk. And this person just wants to match the way they want church to look like. But they're not sharing my destiny. You've got to have discernment in who you want to pour into. And Paul says, I pray that you will grow, your love will abound, that you will grow in knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what's excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That is looking towards the day when you will see Jesus. If you believe that God is working in the midst of your failures, that he is working on you, he's working on your failures, he's working on it, he's working on your life. These things has got to be evidence that you're allowing God to work in you, that your love will abound. That you'll be discerning. Be wise. You don't just say, I love you too quickly. You don't just say, come work with me too quickly. You're discerning. And you're constantly living for that one day when you will stand before God and he will present you holy and blameless before the Father. Verse 11 will bring it to a close. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Church, I want to ask you a question, believer or unbeliever over here. For the unbeliever, I want to say, would you believe Jesus Christ that he died for you, that he gave his life for you, that he's working in your life, even right now, even before you've surrendered. He's the one who's calling you to salvation. And would you respond? And for the believer, I want to ask you, would you trust him to fix the potholes in your life? And would you give yourself the grace that you need to be able to say, he's still working on me. And when temptation comes this week, would you point out the temptation before the Holy Spirit and tell the temptation he's working on it? And when you fail, would you get back and stand up and say, he's still working on it? When you look in the mirror and shame comes knocking on your door, would you say, he's still working on it? You see, church, Abraham, God called him to a very unique calling. Abraham was a crazy guy. He left his family. He left his home. He left everything. He left, it says he left all his idols. And he walked his whole life and the Bible says he was looking for a city whose builder was God. He was looking for a city whose builder was God. He didn't stop at any city and say, this is where God's calling me to because what God had told him didn't match what he saw. All his life he walked looking for a city whose builder was God. I do not know what you're settling into. 
God has called you to live a life of holiness. God's calling you to live a life that he's called you to, that he's gifted you for. I don't know what you're settling into. But God's calling you to something that's very unique to you. God called Abraham to something that was very unique to him. And this is the beauty. This is the reason why I'm short telling you about Abraham is because the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It didn't say Abraham sacrificed his son. It didn't say because Abraham offered tithes. It didn't say because Abraham worshipped. It says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. This morning as we close, believer, unbeliever, I'm calling you to one thing. I want you to believe God. I want you to trust him. Believing God means not just saying, I'm going to do my works and I'm going to stand on that and I'm going to bring my works before God. God says, leave that alone. Would you believe me? And let that be counted to you as righteousness. The gospel is very simple and yet it's extremely complicated because how can God come into such a sinful person and make him holy so that his glory can shine on your face? It's a miracle. But yet it's so simple that even a child can understand. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Abraham believed it. Paul believed it. The church in Philippi believed it. Us as a living church, I hope we can believe it. Would you please stand? We'll pray and close. Please, Lord, lift their face up to look to you. Because your word says those who look to you will never be put to shame. Their faces will be radiant. I pray for those watching at home who are unable to get out of the house shame has got them locked in. I pray for those who are depressed because of patterns of sin in their life and are unable to break free. I pray for divine supernatural healing in the name of Jesus. May the shackles of sin fall away. Father, I pray for those who have lived for years and years and years a double life. Set them free, Lord, this morning. Thank you that you're working on it. And the song we sing, even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the powerful work of the Holy Spirit rest in you, abide in you, continue to transform you and sanctify you till the day we stand before our King in all His glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Love you. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service time and address.